tired or weary, faint, losing strength, part of it. But hopefully today we're going to identify some reasons why we get so tired and then why we stay so tired, what we can do to renew our strength. So before we even begin reading, would you bow your heads with me? Let's ask for God's help this morning. Father, as we turn our attention to your word, I know that you've already spoken to my heart and my desire with this message, with this lesson, is that you speak to your people now. And Lord, I know many of us were worn out. And uh, Lord, show us what things we can change so that we don't waste the strength you give us. But Lord, also, as just part of being alive, help us, Lord, to lean on you to renew our strength. Guide us now as we talk about this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 26, God says to them, lift up your eyes on high. Well, that's what we just sang about, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Now he's actually turning their attention to the stars. And we know that stars do fall, stars do fade. But when it says not one faileth, when God says star come into existence, not one time does it ever fail. When God says star, stay right there, keep burning, it keeps burning. Right now, when God's done with that star, then it's done. And just like there's going to come a time in your life when God's not going to give you any more strength, and then it's your time to go be with the Lord. But until that time, God, because He is the Almighty, will continue to give sufficient power. Verse 27, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Saying, guys, that's hurtful. The Lord saying, that's offensive. Why are you pretending as if I don't know what you're going through? God says, I, I do know. And you're weak and you're tired and you're acting as if I can't help you. I can. Verse 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's your two Bible words for being tired. Don't you know that the one you should be leaning on never gets tired? He says at the end of verse 28, there is no searching of his understanding. Can I just tell you one thing quickly that will wear you out and get you excessively tired is trying to figure out things you can't figure out. But there's nothing like that for God. He can wrap his head around anything. Verse number 29, he giveth power to the faint. You might want to highlight that in your Bible, underline it. He giveth power to the faint. He doesn't say maybe. He does. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Now, I believe in the Bible there's a bit of a gray area as to what qualifies as a young man. If you ask Omizak, He's still a young man. Isn't that right to him? <laughs> yes, amen. We've got a thumbs up. Right? I, I read in one place where Solomon, as he's becoming king, he's the age of 40, and he, still, he calls himself a youth. Right? Now, don't, anybody, don't any 40-year-olds in our church try to join the youth group. Okay, that's, that's taking it too far. We've got to draw the line somewhere. But, but young men that you would expect still prime of their life and physically may be strong, you're still going to run out of strength eventually. You're going to get tired, verse 31. But they that, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here's what I want to tell you about that part there at the end. It says, you'll run and not be weary. Does this mean that if you lean on the Lord, you'll never get tired again? I don't think that's what he's saying because obviously at the first part of the verse you need to renew your strength which means there's going to be a replenishing of the strength and then a depletion of the strength and that process is going to keep happening on and on and on throughout your life. I think what he's saying when he says you'll mount up with wings as eagles run and then walk you'll go higher, faster, and farther than you ever thought possible. 
if you would just do it God's way. If you depend on your own strength, you can only go so high, so fast, and so far, and then you'll run out of petrol. And that will be, you will run, you'll meet the limits of your physical being, of your mental and emotional capacities, and that'll be as far as you go. But if you keep going back to the things that God has provided to renew your strength, you'll just keep brains us and what sustains us. Now, I've said I have two points, and this is true, but under point one, I have seven subpoints, and under point two, I have eight subpoints. <laughs> so, all in all, we've got 15 things to cover, so here we go. We're going to run and not be weary. Amen. <laughs> so I, I'm, for some of these, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles. For others of them, I think it's going to be fairly obvious what the point is. So I'm going to try to cover as much as I can because, guys, as I've studied this, please, please know for the next few minutes, I'm giving you the condensed version. Trust me, I've, I've left a lot of this on the table that I'm not bringing to the pulpit. I've left a lot of it on my desk because there's just so much that can be said about why we're tired and how we can be refreshed, and that's a big subject. The reason I want to cover so much stuff in one sermon is because there, there's a number of you here today. How do I know which reason you're struggling with? So I'm going to try to put as much information out there as I can, and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit grabs hold of whatever point you need and puts it deep in your heart, right? When, when your point comes up, I hope you feel the Holy Spirit inside going, hey, listen up, this part's for you. All right, so take your Bible, come to Luke chapter 21. And the first thing we're going to talk about are some things that drain us, some things that drain us. And as you might suspect, when we talk about things that drain us, you could flip these things on their heads and learn what would sustain us here. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now, you know, throughout the Bible, the sea and the waves roaring is a metaphor for problems going on in your life. So if you want to just think of it in that way, you can. But verse number 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. All right, so the first thing I want to say that drains us is fear, but specifically fear that leads to anxiety and worry. You see, men's hearts are failing them for fear. Why? All these horrible things are happening all around them and there's nothing they can do about it. They have nowhere to turn. The men in this passage, they have nowhere to turn. They're not going to trust God to get them through this, so they're going to be completely worried about things that they can do nothing about. I don't know how much of my strength has been wasted worrying about things. How many late nights I've had overthinking things. What, what am I going to do? What if this happens? What if that happens? I live in the what ifs instead of the what is. And this is one thing the devil will get you to do is to think about every possible thing that could go wrong and then in your mind, you put yourself in all of those stressful situations and you live out the worst possible scenario over and over and over again in your mind. That will wear you out. Your heart will fail because you're just not built to carry all those traumatic situations over and over again. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6. Take no thought, right? Over and over in Matthew 6. Take no thought for the morrow. The morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We're constantly worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. The best way to prepare for tomorrow is to do what you ought to do today. And after you've done that, relax. You've done as much as you can. Think about this. Learn from the past. Lay up for the future, live in the present. Learn from the past, lay up for the future, live in the present. Stop being worried about what tomorrow might bring. Tomorrow's not here yet. You got plenty of problems for today. Being worried and carrying that burden with you everywhere instead of handing it over to the Lord, it's too much for you to carry. Drop that at the feet of Christ. Thank you, Bible. Come to Genesis chapter 19. Fear. Worry, the devil will get you running up and down trying to figure out how to fix problems that don't even exist. As you're finding Genesis 19, let me say one more thing about this. 
You know, Jesus said, who by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? You guys remember that verse, Matthew 6? Can any of you increase your height by thinking about it? No? There's, there are some things in life you can do nothing about. Right? So why sit around thinking about it? Now just go, go through your, your calendar, your day. Think about your life. How many things are you overthinking that really it makes no difference how much you think about it. It won't change it. Just move on. Move on. Put your mind elsewhere. Give it a rest. Genesis 19, let's look at verse 11. Here's another thing that drains us. All right, so worry and fear. Forgive me, each one of these things could be a sermon in and of themselves, so I'm moving quickly. Genesis 19 and 11. This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot has found his way, uh, the angels have found their way rather to Lot's house. And in verse 11, they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. You, you guys remember the story? The Sodomites are banging at the door trying to get in to grab those men, to gra grab Lot as well. The angels smite the men with blindness. Look what they do. So that they wearied themselves to find the door. Even though God tried to stop them, they blew right past the warning signs and kept trying to get in that door. They wearied themselves to find the door. They're coming to the door. They're banging on the door. They go blind. You would think that they would learn from that and go, you know what? Obviously, we shouldn't be doing this. We're all blind at the same time. They didn't learn. They kept chasing their sin. They, they had such a strong desire to fulfill the lust of their flesh that it didn't matter what tried to stop them, what obstacles, they just kept trying to get what they wanted. So maybe you can think of this as chasing sin or vanity. Just running after useless things that you don't need. Unless you think that this is just fleshly lust. And, and might I just say, perhaps some of you are tired because you stay up too late trying to search out things that your flesh wants. Some people are just, Liz, this is very practical. There's nothing deep about this. Shut the computer off. And you know what I mean. You don't need to be at that tavern at all, but let alone till two in the morning. Go home. You're tired because you're doing a bunch of stuff you have no business doing at all. That's a very obvious point, but let me also point out, it's not just things like going to a tavern. It's not just things like fleshly uh, desires that you would, you know, you know what I mean. I'm trying to be delicate as I say that. But even something like envy. You realize when envy sinks into your heart, the Bible says it's the rottenness of the bones. It wears at you because you're constantly looking at, well, he has this and she has that. Why don't I have all these nice things? And then you keep pushing and keep pushing because you've got to have what they have. That'll wear you out. It's the chasing of sin. I'll tell you another thing that sin will do to you. You can beat down that door. Let's just pretend hypothetically that you get in the door. I know that they didn't. But let's just say that you do. You get in the door, you get what you want. You know what you have after that? A guilty conscience. You try carrying around a guilty conscience for weeks and months and years, that'll wear you out. That will drain you. Sin never leaves a man better than it finds him. It never leaves a man better than it finds him. Come to Genesis chapter 27. Verse number 46 at the end of the chapter. Genesis 27 and verse 46. This is right after Jacob has deceived Isaac, received the blessing, and now Rebekah is making this plan to send Jacob away, but she is doing so by manipulating her husband. Verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. In the Bible, those are called the Hittites, just so that you know. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Do you hear Rebekah exaggerating this? If my boy, if my sweet little boy, if he marries the wrong woman, I just, I'm just going to die. Rebekah, calm down. So here's the third thing I want to say that will wear you out. Stop exaggerating things. Stop blowing things out of proportion. Are you tired? Folks, help me out. If you're tired, would you say amen? amen. 
okay. You know, it's okay to admit that. But, but you don't, when somebody says, are you tired, you don't have to go, oh, you have no idea. Oh, I'm so glad somebody, you have no, let, I will redefine tired for you. <sighs> okay, calm down. You know, chances are you have a, a hard job just like the next one million people in line after you. You know, we, we all got jobs, we got stuff. Now, I'm not saying your problems aren't real and that you're not tired. Perhaps you are. And it's okay to admit it and say, I don't feel so good. I, I'm a bit down. I'm feeling a bit depressed. It's okay to say that things aren't good. But, but many times in our minds, we take that molehill and make it into a mountain, right? And okay, it is a burden to bear. It is a cross to carry. But it's not quite as big as what you're making it out to be. Amen. <laughs> don't make mountains out of molehills. Don't make your problems more than they are. Hey, and, and, and don't think people say this, oh, that's it, that's it. If that happens, then I just give up. That's it. I, I'll, never, I'll never overcome this. I'll never come, bounce back from that. Really? Is, is that problem you're experiencing now? That's the end of you. So, so that's, that problem that you have, that is going to end the grace of God. Because that's how you're going to get through your problems, right? The grace of God. So what you're essentially saying is that's it. I have found the problem that God's grace cannot fix. Come on, let's not exaggerate it. Let's say this is a big problem. This is a mountain. If it is a mountain, acknowledge it. But then you must follow that up with the also true statement that God can move mountains. Right? So don't blow the, portion, uh, don't blow the problem out of proportion. Next thing, Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I very much considered preaching this sermon just from this passage. You'll see why as we read it. Jesus says in verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. How many of you want some rest this month? Yeah, December, you need rest? Okay. Okay. You, you need rest? Here he's offering it. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Right? Turn your eye. Oh, soul, are you weary and burdened? Right? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. Right? He's offering it. But here's the price tag, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God help me, there are plenty of things I'd like to tell you from this passage. Let me narrow my thoughts to one thing. In verse 29, when Jesus wants to teach us how to have rest for our souls, He gives us a lesson in humility and meekness, which those two things go together, but they're not exactly the same. So one thing that drains us is being a people pleaser. If you are all the time trying to make everybody happy, you will be one of the most tired people on the planet. Because as soon as you get this guy happy, you know what's going to happen? He's not happy. And then I'm going to have to run this side. And are you okay? No, you don't. Okay, well, I'll make you happy. And you know what's going to happen? He's not. And then I've got to run back and run back and run back. You, you're going you're to be a termite and a yo-yo. <laughs> you realize that just up, zoop, 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 up and down, up and down. You, you're never going to get a day's rest. You know, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, my yoke, Jesus had one burden. Look at verse 30. How many burdens? How many burdens in verse 30? Look, help me out, folks. My burden, singular. My burden is light. How about you trade your 58 burdens for his one? Right away, you feel more energetic. <laughs> he has one burden, obey God. If you want to say that slightly differently, please God. And, and okay, maybe that guy, maybe that lady, maybe this person doesn't like that. But that's their burden. That's their problem. I have one burden. I have one concern. My head is in the yoke of my master. All I have to do when I feel the lead ox tug, I have to follow. 
When I feel the lead ox stop, I have to stop. And as long as my heavenly father's happy, as long as my elder brother, the lead ox, Jesus Christ, is leading the way, it takes so much pressure off of me. Because now I don't have to constantly be in a state of panic. Is, is everybody happy? If God's happy with me and I'm doing what He's what he said, that's all I can do. That's all that really matters to me. And all of a sudden, opinions of men fall away. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If you're constantly seeking honor from men, when will that ever end? No accomplishment, no achievement will ever satisfy you. There will always be another person to give you another award. Rather, just aim for the high prize, the high calling rather, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's all that really matters. This next one I really want you to get a hold of. Come to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're talking about things that drain you. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, just let your eyes come down to verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. So I've given you both verses so that you can see the full picture here. You still have to bear your own burden. But verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Yes, it's your problem. You need to deal with it. But it's okay to get some help. So here's the next thing that drains us. I've given it one word, isolation. Isolation. Here's what I mean by that. You say, I, I'll, just, I'll just do it myself. I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. I'll just carry this alone. I understand the thinking behind that because I've been there many times. And, and perhaps it's even a noble thing that you don't want to be a bother to anyone. But the way God has set it up, we cannot go through this life alone. We were not meant to. We were not built to bear all of our burdens in isolation. The old saying, no man is an island. You, you need each other. We need each other. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in, in, when I get to the things that sustain us. So I'm going to kind of put this point on hold. But let me just point this out while we're talking about isolation. Sometimes we get so isolated that we don't even think God cares what we're going through. We are so alone, we don't even think God is hearing our prayers, so we stop talking to God about them. Friend, if you are going to go through this life carrying all of your own burdens, never casting them at the feet of your Savior, life is going to be too heavy for you. You are going to get tired and it will drain you. We need each other. Take advantage of it. Now I'm going to come back to that, but let's come to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. When we begin to talk about the things that sustain us, I think you'll see that uh, many of the things that drain us, we're going to talk about the answers or the antidotes to that in the things that sustain us. So we might have some overlapping, but that's all right. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10 and 10. Priedeker. Ecclesiastes 10 and 10. The Bible says, if the iron be blunt, okay, that's if the axe is dull, if the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge. That's an old way of saying sharpen the edge. Right? So if your axe is dull and you don't sharpen the edge, then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. All right, so th this guy's going to go out. He's got a series of trees to chop down or logs, you know, to split. But he's working with a dull axe. So he is going to have to work harder to get more done, to get anything done. Rather, and I think you guys know this saying, you work, sir, rather than harder. So I'm going to say it like this. Something that will drain us is working harder than necessary. Perhaps, and again, I'm putting in a lot of adages here, measure twice, cut once. Have you guys heard that one before? Measure twice, cut once. Stop, think, 
Make a plan. Make sure your tools are where they need to be. Make sure your tools are working to, as best as you can, right? Things are going to happen. But make sure you are prepared before you start to do something. Rather than just hauling off and saying, ooh, I feel like doing this, and then just going into it. Stop and plan. That's why wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is what stops you and says, let me think about this before I do it. How many times do we do this? Ready, fire, aim. (laughs) Right? There's a good chance you're going to miss the mark. Aim. If if the aiming comes loud, the odds go down phenomenally that you hit the target just raising the gun and off you go. Now, now, I'm talking about a gun there. Let's talk about your mouth as the gun. Ready? Blah, 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 blah. How much damage have I done? How much cleanup needs? Clean up on aisle. (laughs) Right? You just made a mess. That's a disaster. If you would have stopped and thought about how dull your words are, how blunt, how blunt you're being, you're going to... You're going, to make life much more, you're going to make life much more difficult than it needs to be. Put a lot more hard work, more than is necessary, into your life. All right, another one. I want you to get some, well, you get Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about that I believe drains us. Luke chapter 6 and get verse 19. Put it in. Right? After you put it in, after you've eaten the meal, then you go, oh man, that was a bit too much. Right? We don't think about it while we're doing it. That's life. How do you know that you're biting off too much? Well, you first have to take a bite. And then you can measure and go, you know, next time that bite needs to be a little smaller. Right? Sometimes that's just life. And please understand, I don't want you to feel conviction if you have too much on your plate and you need to eliminate a little bit. That's just part of life. All right. Just if there's too much in your in your day book, cut some things out. That's all you need to do. No conviction. You haven't sinned. However, sometimes we know we know I already have a full schedule. Let me take on more because deep down we're seeking to impress somebody. Look at how much I can do. Guys, be careful. It's not a contest. You get no you get no reward, no trophy for doing so many things. Psalm 131. You don't have to turn to that. <clears throat> David said. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. So be careful what you take on, not only in quantity, but in quality. You might take on something that is just too much for you. You get in over your head, you're going to wear yourself out. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 19. The Bible says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, that is Jesus. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. As people would come around Jesus and touch Him, or as He would heal them, virtue went out. Guys, and I think this one really hits a lot of you. You are trying to help as many people as you can. Whether it's saved or lost, in the church, out of the church, you're always looking for an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. And what we often forget, while we're being a blessing, something is going out of us at the same time. And I'm not just talking about physical energy. There's something spiritually that comes out. There's something emotional. Even into let your mind can get tired when you're trying to just talk to people. Standing here in the pulpit, guys, Sundays energize me. I love Sundays. People say, you know, this is the day that the pastor works. (laughs) Number one, you don't know me very well if you think this is the day that I'm doing all the work. But granted, okay, here I am. I'm standing, I'm doing something. But this is the day I get my batteries recharged. I do have a day off, but rarely does it feel like a day off. This is my day to come and be around you, and you help me more than you could ever know. But one thing I've got to be careful of is as I stand and try to preach and teach you, something is also leaving me. Virtue is going out, and I've got to be careful to balance this properly. If it were up to me, I'd just stand here and keep preaching all day. Now, you wouldn't like that, but I would. <laughs> But something's going out, and, and sometimes you can wear yourself out, and you don't even know you're getting tired until one day you just are spent. What, what did the Apostle Paul say? I would gladly, therefore, spend and be spent for you. You can just give and give and give of yourself until you're completely spent, and you wake up, you say, okay, I want to go help somebody. Oh, I just don't have it in me anymore. You are not backslidden. You're tired. 
That's all that it is. Even Jesus told his apostles at one point in Mark chapter 6, guys, you need to pull away and take a break. I think you guys say leisure. You need le- I, I say leisure. Is it leisure? Is that what you say? Ah, that just sounds strange to me. Leisure, you need leisure time. If you want leisure time, go to America. If you want leisure time, you can stay here. But you just need to take a break. You need some downtime. That's all that it was. Now, in, in this vein, you remember Peter? He said, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. Remember that? And then Jesus says, let's go pray. You know what Peter did? He fell asleep three times. Jesus went to him and said, Peter, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. You have the right desire. The heart is in the right place, but you got to know your limits. Eventually, you're just going to spend all of your emotional and spiritual resources, and you're just out of that spiritual petrol. We can get tired. So I've given you a few things that I believe drain us. Now let's talk about a few things that sustain us. Now the first one here, I don't even think you need it, but if you want to turn to it, Exodus chapter 23, verse 12, you're welcome to look at it, but I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's the first time the word refresh shows up in the Bible. So what I did is I went through the Bible, I looked up every time the word refresh shows up in any form, refreshed, refreshment, anything. The first time it shows up is Exodus chapter 23, verse 12. And it's talking about the Sabbath day. Now, now let's be careful. God used the Sabbath day as a special sign between Him and the nation of Israel. Okay? It was to remind the Israelites that God had made a special covenant with them. Listen, please. God did not make that same covenant with us. So the Sabbath day does not mean for us what it does for the Jews. We are not commanded in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath day. However, in Exodus 23, 12, at the end of that verse, God said, take a rest so that you can be refreshed. Now, the principle, the ceremonial law does not apply to us. But the principle of having a day off, that very much applies to us. We should all learn from that. Now, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you are really good at days off. I am horrible at taking days off. Horrible. I'll sit down with my iPad here, and I'm, I, all I want to do is watch something on YouTube and let my mind just vegetate. Then, can any of you relate to that? Okay. The rest of you are lying. But <laughs> and, and I'll be watching. But, it's, but while I'm here, I know that my emails are also just one click. Like, hey, hey. <laughs> No brine, nothing. You had to do all of your food prep the day before so that on that Sabbath day, among other things, you could just rest. That was a weekly obligation for them. Now, we are not commanded to keep a particular day of the week, right? If you want to keep the the Jewish Sabbath, help yourself. I mean, as far as the timing of it. But the idea, the principle of having a, a proper day off, don't underestimate it. Every week, one day where you just relax. I'm letting that sink in. I'm relaxing. Just relax. All right, here's another one. First Samuel 16 and verse 23. You remember, and again, I'm just giving you the story. Saul, King Saul, An evil spirit comes upon him. He calls for David to play music. Remember that? And the Bible says the evil spirit left him and he was refreshed. I think we underestimate this one. Put some good spiritual music in your life. I would say daily. Every day. What's the New Testament command? We should be teaching and admonishing one another. We should be singing to ourselves, the Bible says, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the biblical command, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Don't underestimate that. Guys, the right kind of music. You know what they're doing up in heaven right now? They're singing, right? They're singing. They're singing to the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice to go to heaven just for a few minutes? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, when you get there, you'd see the Lord. That's refreshing. We'll talk about that in a moment. You you would know that all of your problems are very far away. That's refreshing. But one one thing that would really hit you 
is the singing all around. Millions and millions of angels singing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. That would begin to reverberate in your soul. Five minutes of that, you'd come down here. Guess what you would be humming? (laughs) Oh, it would get to you. It would get to you. You know, there is music you can put into yourself that wears you out as well, right? It just reminds you of all the problems. Have you ever listened to country music? (laughs) Country music is all about how bad life is. I lost my dog and my job and I'm gonna lose my wife, right? (laughs) And before you know it, I'll be dead. I mean, that's just, (laughs) country music is very depressing, (laughs) you got to be careful what kind of music you put in you because it does affect you whether you know it or not. You say, I just got it in the background. Okay, but something's getting in there. Listen, that music David played, it affected the spiritual world around him. Guys, please understand this. Your tiredness is not just physical. Do you understand that? Your tiredness, you say, I'm worn out. Okay, maybe your body is, but there's more to you than just a body. There's a very good chance that your spirit, your heart, your soul, your mind is worn out. And you need to properly maintain and and take care of those things. And good music is a really good way to do it. Here's another one. And guys, there's a lot of verses for this. I have 2 Samuel 16, 14, but this is true in many places. In 2 Samuel 16, David is running from Absalom, right? Absalom was his son, but also his enemy at this time. Absalom was trying to, it was a mutiny, trying to take over the country. David is running with a few of his people, and the Bible says they they became weary, right? They're running, they're they're, they're going through the wilderness, it's a rough journey. And it says that they, they stopped there and they refreshed themselves. Now, if you read the whole story, you see that other people brought food to them and something to drink and a couple of donkeys so that they could ride on it. And it says they stopped and refreshed themselves. So here's my, the next thing that can sustain us, right? Taking a day off, good music. Listen to this one, deep stuff here. Stop what you're doing. Catch your breath. Grab a bite to eat. When I, when I looked at that, I thought, Lord, is there, isn't there more to this passage? I mean, I'd like to give my folks something real deep, you know, some meaty stuff to chew on. He said, Mike, there it is. Stop what you're doing. Catch your breath. Grab a bite to eat. That's what they did. And then I went to the next passage in 1 Kings chapter 13. There's a prophet who just spoke out against Jeroboam, and now he's going back. And an older prophet meets him and says, come into the house. Let me feed you so you can be refreshed. And the Lord said, you see there? He's going to stop what he's doing, catch his breath, and grab a bite to eat. I went, huh. There it is again. And then I got to the next time, Acts chapter 27, where it says, Paul, here he is, a prisoner, ship to ship, on his way to Rome. And the Bible says they let him out for a few minutes to go be with his friends, grab a bite to eat so that he could be refreshed. I thought, man, this is an ongoing theme. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, thereby Onesimus, he was oft refreshed. What did he do? Just go to his house, stop, catch his breath, Grab a bite to eat. You know, you know what I got to thinking about? How many times have I, in the day, worked through my lunch hour? How many of you do that? You work through your lunch hour. Maybe that's why you're tired. <laughs> we're, we're just not built to keep going and going and going and pedal to the metal. You got to at least idle that car for a little while, turn it off even. Just stop the day, even if it's in the middle of the day, Take those 30 minutes, take that hour, whatever your lunch break is, and and have the meal. Don't think about work. Don't think about anything stressful. Just enjoy the food. Catch your breath. I know in 30 minutes I'm going to get back to work. I'm not ignoring it, but I need this so that I can be effective the rest of the day. You know what I noticed about all those passages? This is great. Somebody else was feeding the tired guy. So I'm just saying... You're just sitting there. <laughs> I'm standing. <laughs> I'm trying to edge my way into your bride today. But, <laughs> but you know, taking somebody up on that offer to, hey, why don't you come over and let's have a quick meal. You don't have to be there all night. Come over, have a meal, chat a little bit. That can be refreshing. 
What did Jesus say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know what he wants to do? Stop what you're doing. Catch your breath. Let's grab a bite. Let, let's just enjoy a meal together. Here's another thing that will help you. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 13. Perhaps you can look at this one with me. You may not be as familiar with this verse. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 13. The Bible says, as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. So here's the next thing I think that can sustain you. A faithful helper. And I've, I've intentionally made that a broad category because you can find help in many, many different people, many places. But a faithful helper. Here's my point. The master, he has a, a, a message in this case that needs to be sent. It's an errand that needs to be run. But the master doesn't have time to run it. So he calls for this messenger and he says, I'm going to hand off my problem to you, this little job. You handle it. You take care of it. You run with the message. I'm going to tend to some other stuff. Now, you see, this goes back to that whole isolation thing, you trying to do everything by yourself alone. That might be why you're getting tired. But having somebody you can turn to and faithfully trust them, I know that once I give them this task, they are going to do their utmost to get it done. Guys, do you have somebody like that in your life? I hope that he or she is sitting next to you today if you're married. And, and, and perhaps you're not married. I hope you have some close friend. I hope some brother or sister in Christ, somebody you know, you walk with, you know if I give them this task, if I ask for their help, they are going to do their utmost to take this burden off my shoulders. They will carry this cross for me, if not with me, and get this done. Guys, having somebody to depend on. Two are better than one. Solomon said, and this is a big reason why. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But make sure that the person you go to for help is faithful. Because if you give that errand or that job to someone that is not faithful, the Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Because as soon as you go to depend on it and bite down, oh, this horrible pain. As soon as you take a step, oh, the foot gives out. You give that job to somebody you can't trust, chances are you're going to have to do that job again anyway. Find some people you can trust and then lean on them. Lean on them. This one I've been waiting for. Come to Job chapter 32. Job chapter 32. God, God gave me this in the week and I used this, this passage three or four times this week and it really did work. This was my nugget, in case you're wondering. This, this is where God really helped me. Job 32, verse 17. Now, in this passage, we, we get introduced to a young man named Elihu. For those of you that have read the book of Job, you know who this is. Job has been pouring out his complaint. But Job, although a righteous man, he, he said, I know God will never do wrong. But Job said, neither would I. And Job was getting lifted up with pride saying, okay, God's never wrong, but I didn't do anything wrong either. So I want God to come here and explain this to me. That's what, that, that was Job's uh, complaint. Then Job's three friends, maybe you have some friends like this. Job's three friends were listening to him going, yeah, but Job, you've got to be wicked. It's got to be your fault. You're the problem. It wasn't Job's fault. Job did not bring these problems on himself, right? So Job was wrong, but his three friends were wronger. <laughs> right? Now, Elihu is younger than all of them. He is standing back, most likely recording the conversation and listening. And he is getting more and more frustrated. Have you ever listened to two people talk and you know they're both wrong? And all you want to do is go, both of you just knock it off. And you want to say something and make it right. That's Elihu. Now, verse 17. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion. So guys, I'm going to throw my two cents in here. Verse 18, for I am full of matter. 
the spirit within me constraineth me. He says, well, there's just, I got to say something. I, I, I got all these ideas, all these things that matter in my head, I got to say it. Verse 19, behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. This is where we get the term, sometimes you just need to vent. Have you ever used that? I need, you vent your frustrations, you just say it. That's where it comes from, right there in your Bible. He said, I, I, I'm, like, I'm about to burst. I've got to let some of this out. Verse 20, I will speak that I may be what? Refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. So Elihu says, guys, I just got to say this out loud. I, all these thoughts, every time Job's, Job said something, thoughts come in. And then these guys answer, more thoughts come in. Oh, Elihu had all this building up. He said, guys, I'm about to burst. Let me just say this out loud. And Elihu goes on. When you go through the book, Job goes two chapters, and then one of the friends gets a chapter. Job goes two chapters, a friend gets a chapter. Elihu gets like four or five. <laughs> Elihu just, blah, he lets it out. So here's another thing that will sustain, sustain you. Just say it out loud to somebody. Take those things that are wearing you out and just call somebody you trust. You need a good listener for this. You don't need one of Job's friends. You don't want somebody that is judgmental and nitpicky and that is going to just carry on an argument with you. Find somebody that will just listen. You can tell them ahead of time, brother, sister, honey, whoever it is, right? I would say honey, that's my wife. Okay. You can, whoever you want to talk to. Say, listen, I, I'm, I don't even need an answer to this. I just want to say it out loud. You know how many times I have sat with Christina and just said it out loud, and while I'm talking, all of a sudden I realize that's the answer to my problem right there. I just, as I was saying it, it dawned on me, and sometimes while I'm saying it, I start to realize, you know what? This is not a big deal. Because I'm saying it to her, and she's just, she's so awesome. She's just patiently, oh, yes, honey, yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is not bothering her at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, shouldn't she be panicked? And then it dawns on me, wait a minute. Why, why am I so stirred up about this? No one else is stirred up about it. Sometimes just saying it out loud really helps. There's a phrase in the Bible that goes with this. Pour out your heart. Now, now, now watch, we're going back to the topic of isolation. I got all these problems. I'm getting tired. I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to be a burden to anybody else, so I just pull away. And then people come by, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, fine. But we know you're not, but you won't open up. You're just holding it in, holding it in, holding it in, and then you start to think, not even God wants to hear me. Go to the Lord and pour out your heart. You'll be shocked at how good of a listener He is. You know, we get this idea that as soon as I walk into the prayer closet and start to talk, God is just going to throw thunderbolts and go, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. You'd be surprised how patient the Lord is when you are coming to Him with a broken heart and saying, God, I'm overwhelmed. I, I got all this, this stuff, this matter. I'm full of matter. God, what do I do? And just pour it out and God will patiently listen. Now, Chances are, by the time you get to the end, He will give you some counsel. He'll point you in the right direction to get help. But other times, God knows you just need to say it. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Just say it to Him. Say it to Him. Let's come in the New Testament now. Let's get Romans chapter 15. You know what? Can I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 16? 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, Romans 15.32 is also good for this, but there's several verses that go with that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 18. Just got a couple more. Here are some things that sustain you. All right, say it out loud. That'll help. And then this next thing, you'll see Paul did this many times. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 18. He's talking about Stephanus and Fortunatus and Caiacus. Verse 18, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. In Romans and 2 Corinthians and Philemon, you'll see this over and over again. Being around other genuine, Bible-believing, God-fearing, true worshipers 
spending time around people that are on fire for the Lord, their energy can rub off on you. It will provoke you to love and to good work. Spending time around other people, other believers. Now this is, you see how we can incorporate this into pouring out your heart, right? Not isolating yourself. We can, we can talk about stop, catch your breath, eat a meal. You can do that with people as well. But Paul here in these places is specifically, when he wrote to the Romans, he said, I can't wait to show up so that my spirit can be refreshed along with yours. He wanted to go to their church and get refreshed. So I got to be careful as I say this, especially we got people that play the piano. We have people at the AV table. We have people teach on occasion or whatever it is. When you get a chance, even you ladies at the AV table now, just to sit and say, okay, I'm, I'm done with my part now. The books are set out. The drum has been played. The songs have been led. The piano has been played. Okay, push it all aside. Now, God, this, this shouldn't be work. This part should be refreshing. This part, you, you shouldn't be worried about what does the person next to me think about how I'm sitting and how... Don't, don't worry about that. All the distracted, push it aside and say, okay, Lord, I'm here. Feed me. Speak to me. And, and guys, we're going to talk about how the Lord does that. That's our next point. But to me, you just being here today, that's, that's, that refreshes me. That, that, that ought to be a blessing. You, we haven't seen him in a few weeks because he has a bad knee. And now he's back on his feet. That's refreshing. Louis here today. That's wonderful. That's great. He's had a tough week. He's got a lot of stuff going on, but he's here. He's, he didn't quit. And we could go around the room and go, you know, this person and that person, they're still serving Christ and, and we can share our stories and testimonies and pray for each other. And even though we're tired, we're not quitting. That's refreshing. This part, just this, just being here should be a source. It's kind of like where you plug in and get charged up again so that you can go back out to another tough week. Don't discount this part of it. Don't make light of it. How often do you charge your phone? Daily? Some of you have a phone from like 2013. You charge it like five times a day, right? <laughs> but depending on the phone, usually daily, the more you use it, the more you have to charge it, right? Would you ever, could you skip like two days? No, your phone would die. It would get tired. When, when, you, when you skip this part, this refreshment that comes from the brethren and sistren, right? It's like unplugging the phone and you're going to run out of juice after a while. We need this part. Just sitting, just resting. This should not be work for you. This should be refreshing. All right, two more things. Come to Isaiah chapter 28. And the, these two, I think, go together. We could maybe make them one point, but let me mention them separately. Isaiah 28 and verse 12. This is a prophecy, actually. And it was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. You might see that in verse 11. Stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. So on the day of Pentecost, God gave the apostles the ability to speak in other tongues. And he was giving a message to the nation of Israel. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So here's my second to last point. What can sustain you? Hearing from God. Guys, as you open up your Bible every day, you should be looking for that. Try not to just read your Bible to meet a quota. To say, okay, I've read so many pages, now I'm done. That will wear you out. Just meeting quotas will wear you out. But if you open your Bible and say, God, I really need to hear from you. There is hardly anything else that matches God speaking to your heart. Now, that can happen, like I said, in your Bible reading at home, maybe a sermon off of the internet or radio or something. But in this context, it was a spirit-filled preacher on the day of Pentecost talking to people in a live audience. And God said, I'm trying to give them a message that will help them rest. Now, it's up to you whether you want to hear it. 3,000 of them on the day of Pentecost did hear it. But do you know how many other thousands went away without hearing that message? I mean, we look at the 3,000 that got saved and we rejoice and the church started. 
But there were tens of thousands of Jews that walked away and said, we don't want that. God perhaps today has been trying to speak to your heart. And you'll need this on a daily basis in whatever form it comes. But waiting until God has spoken to you. Waiting to hear from, from the Lord. That's something that's going to refresh your soul daily. And this leads me to the next thing. Look at Acts chapter 3. And the last thing we'll talk about. As I say, these two things go together. But still, I believe there is a difference. So it's one thing to hear from God, and I hope that happens when you come to church. But it is another thing to have the presence of God. You understand, God can send a message and not necessarily make His presence known to you. It's not like he, you can feel Him drawing nigh. That's a separate thing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Peter's talking about Jesus actually coming back from heaven to the earth and offering refreshment, if we will, to, to, the, to the world. Now guys, you've got to admit, the rapture would pretty much solve it all, right? So the Lord coming back would definitely give us the rest that we need. But even before that time, Waiting, and I say, let, let's say drawing nigh to God so that He draws nigh to us. You need that. Your soul, we're not talking about the refreshing of your body, we're talking about your soul. Waiting on God to show up and saying, God, I'm too tired to take another step without you right next to me. What did the psalmist say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down because He knows you need rest. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Calm down. The Bible says He restoreth my soul. He does. Please, I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you're going to the sea. The ocean can restore your body. The strand, the beach, can do something for your body. But the Lord restores your soul. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. You know what the rod and staff do? We're afraid. We're worried. What's going to happen? All these things are attacking me. But my shepherd has his rod and staff, and he'll beat those things. I, I can... Not, I don't have to fear. My Lord is right here with me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints. That's refreshing. That's the anointing. My cup runneth over. You know what he says? Surely goodness. Table set for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. All the days of my life. It's following you. Perhaps you need to slow down and let it catch up. You say, I'm going through a very dark valley. Thou art with me. You know what's going to get you through that valley and restore your soul? All the other stuff will help. Everything we've talked about. Going to the beach. Help yourself. Whatever you want to do for leisure, help yourself. But don't forget to restore your soul. Let the, let the Lord... Renew your strength. Then you'll find that you can mount up with wings like an eagle. You can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint because you're leaning on the Lord's renewal of your strength and not just your own. Let's all stand if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. Delta, if you don't mind, let's play something softly. If you're tired here today, Worn out. I meant, God knows I've, I've tried to cover so much information in a short a time as I could manage. I hope something has spoken to your heart. I hope the Holy Spirit has identified something that is either draining you or told you something that will sustain you. I'm not going to give a long invitation. Just want to give you a moment to think about what you've heard. Paul said, let us not be weary in well-doing, 
For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's not wrong to get tired. It's wrong to stay tired. Because the Lord wants to restore you. He wants to meet with you in the cool of the day. The Lord doesn't want to watch you.